last week we took the word demon possessed and we broke it down and we went into the Greek. We had a bit of Greek lesson happening just for a few seconds and we broke the word demon possessed into the, the words demonize, which means under the influence. I try to help explain that truth by sharing about how if there was a thief that was to come into your house, even though he doesn't own the house, he has a level of influence. Uh, we also use the example of someone were to drink alcohol, even if they're Christian, but if they were to get drunk, they are under the influence. And we were trying to understand that uh, demons cannot own us, but they can have influence over us. And that's why we need to make sure that our lives are guarded and our hearts are whole. And if there's, if there's strongholds in your life, there is a place for God that He wants us to experience freedom. And so this morning, oh, my, my, my message is twofold because I know how Christians are. Christians are a bit stubborn. And so uh, you, you might have left last week sort of thinking, yeah, maybe, but this week you've sort of gone, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. So I'm going to theologically disprove that again this morning. And while I'm at it, I'm also going to talk about three conditions or three signs that you may have a stronghold. Are you ready for that? Uh, maybe you're here and you're like, maybe I do need freedom, but I would love some more direction and some more clarity. And then this message is for you. I want to read from John chapter 8, verse 32. It says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. I want to read one more passage of Scripture, Mark 7, 27. It says, But Jesus said to her, Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said to Him, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. The title of my sermon this morning is Time to Eat. Hashtag warning signs. <laughs> Time to eat. Hashtag warning signs. Why don't we pray? Father, I thank You this morning that You would open our hearts, that You would open our minds, that You would reveal to us that things that we did not see or things that we did not know and that we would not just walk out from this room with information, but that we would walk out from this room having a real understanding that you have something for us. And there is an invitation that you have set before us and you're calling us to a place called freedom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. How amazing are our interns? I loved your outfit, Blake. I took a photo of it. I might put it on Pinterest at some point, but... <laughs> You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. How many of you have heard this before? Like it's quite a popular statement. Uh, you can even use it in an argument when you're with somebody, uh, you know, when you're trying to say something, get them across and they're like, oh, that's not true. And then you can just sort of say, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. I'm just trying to set you free. But actually, if you look at that scripture, it, that's not what it says. It does not say you shall know the truth. Actually, it says, and you shall know the truth. So that tells me that that's the continuation of a conversation. I think it's dangerous when we just say that part, not understanding the context of that, because when you say, you shall know the truth, that can mean like you're talking to people that don't know the truth about Jesus. That could mean you're talking to people that have not heard the gospel message. 
So you can, if, you, if you're not able to contextualize the text, then you can disappropriate the power of the text. And so the reason why Jesus says, and you shall know is because he's actually talking to a particular group of people. We think he was talking to the Pharisees because most times when he says statements like that, he's trying to, you know, punch down religion. He's trying to punch down people that are judgmental. Uh, we think he's talking to people that are non-believers. We think uh, people that haven't yet seen the truth of who he is, that he is the son of God. We think that's who he's talking about, but he's actually not talking to them. Why don't we read the actual part? This is what it says. This conversation of freedom that Jesus is having is with, in Mark 7, verse 31, it says, Then Jesus said, this is what it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews, watch those words, who believed him. These were Jewish people that believed that he was the Messiah. In other words, Jesus were talking to the believers. If you're a believer, this portion of scripture is for you. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So these guys were following Jesus, but there were elements of their life for whatever reason was not a reflection of being a Jesus follower. And so he was telling them that if you abide in my word, if you obey my word, then you are a disciple. Then it says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Changes the whole thing, doesn't it? Jesus is talking to not Jews, he's talking to believing Jews. Let's forget the fact that they were Jews. Let's just take the words believers because I think that's where most of us live we are believers and so he's actually talking to believers and he's saying that you call yourself believers but a believer is somebody who obeys my word because when you obey my word you're a disciple and the only way you know what my word is by walking in the truth of my word because when you walk in my word then you shall walk in freedom okay so what that means is if Jesus was here this morning that's exactly what he would talk to a bunch of believers he's saying guys I don't want you to just be followers of me I want you to be sons and daughters I want you to walk in this incredible feeling called freedom and that's what he's saying and and then the conversation goes interesting because check out what it says in verse 33 it says and they answered him we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage. So now you understand the conversation is about bondage. Are you with me? Oh, Jesus is talking about the concept of freedom. No, he's talking about bondage, being bound to sin, being bound to strongholds, being bound to demonic oppression, being bound to addictions, being bound to an, a lifestyle of sexuality that is not in agreement to the word of God. So these guys, they are believers, but now all of a sudden they start pointing to their heritage. We are the descendants of Abraham. We have been in church. My granddad was a pastor. I was baptized when I was seven. I started speaking in tongues when I was eight. I went to that camp when I was 11. I've been to Bible college. That does not mean anything. We are, all of that comes under the category of we are Abraham's descendants. And check out what, this is the funniest part. It says, and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Did you just read what that says? We've never been in bondage to any. Have you read the Bible? <laughs> the Bible is completely about Israel living in bondage. They were under oppression by the Egyptians. They were under oppression by, from the Philistines. They were under oppression by, by the Babylonians, by the Persians, by the Chaldeans. And when they said this, they were under oppression by the Romans. <laughs> and 
that's how sometimes we are. Like Pastor Alvin's doing a series on demons, and that's good for her, and that's good for him, and that's good for sister this and brother that, and I'm a descendant of Abraham. Can I say you might be under stronghold and you might be under oppression more than you realize. And if you try to, if you're the person during the series that's out talking that you don't need this, you're probably who the series is for. You probably need the most amount of rain. And because the thing about those of us that follow Jesus, the biggest lie we live under is not sin, it's under deception. And so Jesus is trying to open their eyes and then, In verse 34, Jesus answered and says, most assuredly, he deals with the same thing. He said, I'm not going to talk about freedom. I'm going to talk about that thing. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Are you with me? Can I say this relationship with Jesus is not a temporary thing. It's a forever thing. And our attitude and our mindsets and our lifestyle is a reflection of how we're going to abide in Him. And then He repeats the statement to make more power, verse 36. Therefore, if the Son sets, makes you free, you will be free indeed. There's a word there where it says in verse 34, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Uh, that word there in the Greek is whoever, con- whoever commits continuous sin. In other words, what he was saying is if you have a commitment to sin, Do you know you don't just have commitment to a friendship or commitment to a job? Sometimes you can have a commitment to a particular sin. So the first sign of a bondage, if you are taking notes, the first sign of a bondage is continued iniquity. Continuous iniquity. If there's a continuous habitual sin that is just ongoing in your life, that's an indication that you are in a certain kind of a stronghold, there's a certain kind of an attachment, there's a certain kind of an addiction. In other words, what happens is you become slave to it. The same word Jesus used, whoever that commits sin, that continuous commitment to sin, is used in Romans 6. In Romans 6, 16, when Paul is talking to the Roman church, it says, do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. These same words, Jesus was talking to believers and he was saying, you guys are slaves. And he was saying, I don't want you to be followers of me that are under slavery. I want you to be followers of me that are sons and daughters. Because he that the son sets free is free indeed. Isn't it crazy? Such a bizarre thing. Jesus literally is saying, there are people that can follow me and still be under slavery. There are people that can follow me and they can still be under slavery to sin, to a way of thinking, to a stronghold, to a mindset. But when I set you free, you are free indeed. Jesus is saying, I need you to walk in freedom. You are not slaves. You are called to be sons. You're called to be daughters. I want to save you from slaveship and make you enter into sonship. And that's why he says, if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. And I want to say right now that maybe you are here and there is a struggle that you have. And I want to speak hope into your situation and let you know that God has a plan for your freedom. That by the end of the series, you don't even have to wait till the end of the series. Even this morning, he can set you free. The second sign of a bondage. Second sign. This one is a bit, uh, you've got to be careful how I go about it, but... I think I'm with family, so I'll go all out. But the second sign of, of, of a bondage is continuous illness. 
continuous illness. I want to read from Luke 13, verse 11. It says, And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could not no way raise her up, raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Now, before I move any further, I want to make one thing clear that Anytime you catch a cough or you have a cold or you're under, you catch the flu because of season change and stuff, that does not mean like a demon's come. So every time you cough, you don't, you don't have to go, <coughs> come out of me, Satan. You, know? <laughs> you don't have to do that. You know what I'm saying? So there's always, this, as I shared last week about the, the skeptics and the, and the, and the uh, what was the word? The skeptics. That was superstitious. That's the one. The skeptics and the superstitious. Uh, you know, there's always a fine line there. So anytime you catch a cold, it does not mean you need to be anointed by oil and be prayed over and have the Bible tapped on you five times. None of that. So, so I say that as a disclaimer. But if there is a continuous presence of, of infirmities, you know, that word infirmity is unknown, unknown spirit, unknown illnesses. When this goes, when this goes off, this comes on. Like, 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 it's, it's just a constant thing. If there's a continuous illness in your life that is just on and off, there may be a, a stronghold that's there. When I was growing up, I was what you call an accident-prone child. Before I turned two, I was in the hospital for 14 days, determined to diagnose what was going on with me. And it was frequent for me to, like, almost every year to break some sort of bone, break something. When I was four years old, I was involved in an accident, got hit by a motorbike, flew up in the air, landed in front of a four-wheel drive. The guy hit the brake at the right time, so praise God. Two weeks after that, two weeks after that accident, I burnt my whole hand, which probably scarred me for maybe two to three years. I was under treatment for that. There was always stuff. Every year I had some sort of health issue, breaking some part of my body. And I remember when I got saved, one of the biggest things that I, I felt God showed me was there was obviously an assignment from the devil to destroy me, to destroy the calling of God on my life. And, and from that day forth, it's amazing. Like I've, I've been able to maintain great amount of health. I'm not that great this week, but most times I'm quite okay. But, but I felt like God set me free. And if you are here, if you've had a track record of constant health issues, there may be the presence of some kind of an attack, some kind of a struggle. Stronghold. I even find this with people that uh, this is just one of the experiences that I've noticed sometimes when I'm trying to promote someone, even in ministry, anytime I try to promote them, some sort of health comes up, some sort of chronic illness comes up. Anytime I try to say, hey, I want you to do this and within two weeks, boom, this happens and then give it a few months and then again, there's this constant uh, chronic situation and I'm not saying that to say that you're bad or anything like that, but I just want to open your eyes and make you aware that there is an enemy. Let me tell you what sickness does. Sickness robs from you. And the Bible says the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy. And if there's anything in your life that you know that you, that God wants to set you free from, now I'm not saying that God, I believe God can heal anything and everything, but I'm not saying that he will. But I know that if you're open and you say that this is robbing me from what I know God is calling me towards, there is breakthrough for you. There is freedom for you. There is mercy for you. There is grace for you. And I want to speak to your situation because I think for some of us, we've learned to adapt around it. And for so long, you've done so well adapting around your health situations. But maybe God has arranged this series 
as a moment in your life to go. Maybe that's an indication of a stronghold and maybe God's plan for my life in the season is not to conform to it, but rather to remove and see myself redeemed and restored and strengthened out of it. And so I want you to know that God can heal and God wants to heal. And, I'm, and, and I need you to understand that because of those illnesses in your body that you know that, that you shouldn't be having, I want you to know that there may be a stronghold that God wants to set you free from. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit, and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were, what? Oppressed by the devil. Healing, that's health related. People's health that, were, that was oppressed by the devil, Jesus went about healing. If you are oppressed this morning, friend, I want you to know there is room here for healing. There is presence of God is here for breakthrough. God is available. His grace is sufficient to see you whole, to see you complete. I want you to reposition your mindset and say, I'm going to believe for my miracle. That stuff has been living in my body for so long. I've just sort of learned to cope around it. But this morning I found my hope knowing that my God's plans for me are yes and amen. That his plans for me are to prosper and not to cause harm. I will not die out of this illness. This illness will not define what I can do and what I cannot do, but I declare by faith that I will be made whole in Jesus' name. As I was studying this text this week, I felt God telling me that one of the reasons some of us have illnesses is because we've invited it. One of the reasons some, we've invited it is by our own insecurities. Have you ever felt you don't look good enough? That's probably all of us. There's always someone with a, with a better nose, with a better body, with a better face. Oh, that's what we think. And even, uh, uh, we all have our own insecurities, but for some of us, it's quite bad. And, and, and when you start treating yourself that way, you actually invite strongholds. The Bible calls you the temple of the Holy Spirit. When you start degrading this temple, it, it begins to become the temple for something else. It begins to become the temple for someone else. And so I just want you to, you know, this is just, this, is just, this session is all about, I know we're having therapy right now. This, this session is all about just unveiling stuff. Maybe there's been things that you've said, I, I'll never, I'll, no one will ever love me. I'm, I'm never going to be that good looking. I'm, I'm, I'm so ugly. Just statements like that can be an invitation for a disease, for a stronghold to come. And I, and I want to speak over you this morning. And what we're going to do later on in this service is we're going to have a prayer team. We're going to end the service a bit different this morning. What's going to happen is we, if, if you don't need prayer, I would kindly request that you actually step outside so you can socialize and connect. We'll have all our mingling happening outside. We'll have all our praying happening on the inside. So if you can respect, and ushers might gently guide you since maybe you were texting as I'm saying this so you didn't hear these instructions. So our ushers will gently tap you and say, kindly go out. I know you're, you don't want to say hi to people, but this is his place right now for prayer. So we'll, we'll have that at the end of the service. We'll have a prayer team up in the front. They'll be praying for your needs. So as I'm saying and as I'm preaching and as I'm sharing this, if there's anything that the Holy Spirit is highlighting, just write that down and say, I need prayer for that. I need prayer for what is happening on, on the inside. I need prayer for illnesses. I need prayer for that situation. I need prayer for my identity. And so is that cool? Here's the third. Here's the third area that, that if there's a stronghold, and this is really the main portion of my message, and I believe this is going to really set us free. 
Number three is continuous influence. Continuous influence. I want to read a story to you from Mark chapter 7. Mark 7, 24. It says, from there he arose as Jesus and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and wanted no one to know that he could, but he could not be hidden. Verse 25, for a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician. Remember those words because we're going to come back to it. The, the woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth. And she kept asking him to, to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first. For it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Then it says in verse 29, then he said to her, for this saying, go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. Verse 30, and when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. Now the context is Jesus is on a journey. He's trying to hide away from people. Doesn't do such a great job. This lady who is a Greek, Syrophoenician. I love the fact that the Bible space spends extra bandwidth and gigabytes just to include that she's Greek and she's Syrophoenician. When we read it, we sometimes skip it, but there's a reason why the Bible says that. So the Bible doesn't talk about her name, but talks about where her background is. She finds Jesus and literally goes to Jesus and says, my daughter, not that she has a health issue, but my daughter is literally demon-possessed. And, and literally says, I need you to come and deliver her. I need you to pray for her, the strongholds. And Jesus says to her, uh, I cannot take the food for the children and give it to the dogs. And she uses this whole reference and she says, even the little dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from the table. How many of you have heard this story before? The one layer of translation is, the, the reason why what Jesus was saying was that Jesus was saying, I'm called to the Jews. I'm called to minister the, to the Israelites. And Jesus is using this reference to say that you are a Gentile. Gentile are people that are non-Jews. Non people, most of us are Gentiles. Some of us claim we're Jews, but we will leave it at it. So, so uh, you know, and so, you know, the, whichever way we look at it, the Gentiles are people that, that, that are, that are non-Jews. And so the, most theologians use this explanation as saying that, that Jesus was saying that I'm called to Israel. Now is not your time. And they say that she has so much faith. But I want to take this further because I think there is a bit deeper element that God is talking to us. So I, I need you to lean in. I need you to shuffle in because I want to try and explain this the best way possible. Imagine I'm preaching this message and I say at the end of this message, I want to ask questions. All right. I want you to ask me questions. And so, you know, I say, anybody has a question? One lady raises her hands up and as she's about to ask, I say, I'm sorry, uh, you, uh, you can't ask a question. Uh, I don't talk to dogs. All right, next person, right? So that's literally what, what Jesus did. Whichever way we look at it, that's literally what Jesus did. That's a bit mean. How many of you agree that's a bit mean, right? That's not really what he was trying to do. So I want to show you some scriptures and then we're going to try and explain this. I want us to read Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same thing to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Now check out what verse 3 says. Verse 2, it says, Beware of dogs, beware of evildoers, workers, beware of mutilation. So 
For, so so uh, Peter is, Paul is writing to the Philippian church and he's saying, beware of this and beware of that. And in the middle of that, he says, beware of dogs. Like, what happened, Paul? Did you go on a mission strip and get bitten by a dog? Or <laughs> That's why we got the sign, beware of dog. That's scriptural, by the way. If you have a sign, <laughs> watch out for dog. That's from the Bible. So... <laughs> So, 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 you know, what, what is going on here? Let me show you one more passage of Scripture. Revelations 22. You're like, what in the world is he talking about? Revelations 22 verse 14. Check it out. Blessed are those who do his commandments that may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Check out verse 15. But outside, this is John talking about heaven, outside of heaven. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral, and murderers, and idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. So the Bible is saying outside of heaven are chihuahuas, <laughs> Labradors. Your dog did not go to heaven. I'm sorry. So <laughs> is that what the Bible is saying? So Let's go back to the original scripture. I think it was Mark, whatever, if you can put that up. Mark, uh, uh, Mark 7. Let's put that part, uh, verse 26, verse 26. Mark 7, verse 26. The woman was a Greek Syrophoenician by birth. Theologians consider Phoenicia as the cradle of paganism. That's where idolatry and in in a lot of the occult was birthed. Okay. And the Jews hated Phoenicians because the Phoenicians were the ones that brought idol worship into Israel. Do you know who else was a Phoenician? Jezebel. She was a Phoenician. Okay? So when Jesus called and one of the main elements that the Phoenicians did was they were involved with dog worship. So when Jesus called her a dog, she was say, he was saying, your child has been oppressed by demons because you have been generationally involved in dog worship. Food for thought, how did Jezebel die? The story of Jezebel is Jezebel was pushed over. She fell down, trampled on by horses and dogs licked her blood. That which you worship will eat you up. What am I trying to say? There's only one point. What I'm trying to say is some of us have dabbled in the occult. Maybe it might have been in your generation. Maybe it might have been in a generation before. But if you have any understanding, if you've had any background, if you've been involved in any sort of uh, witchcraft and the occult and tarot cards and horoscopes and ujibodes and any of that, there are consequences to that. It's not just by your invitation, but that lifestyle is in itself an invitation. And I'm not trying to impose and put fear into you. All I'm doing is I'm just being the news reporter, bringing the news, bringing scripture to you and just helping you open your eyes and saying that there are strongholds. And I'm saying that even in our own children, maybe you're like, oh, I'm saved now, but have you really repented from it? Because what happens is it becomes a stronger stronghold in the life of, of our kids, in the life of your kids. And so we need to say, God, I need to walk away from that. Maybe you got to understand that sometimes your cult comes from some unlikely sources. I know I'm sounding a bit like we're back in 1995, but can I just say to you that sometimes there are some movies that carry the occult. 
there are some music that is worship music can influence you worldly music can impact you and I just think what has happened with Christians is we've become so you know it's interesting they said the lady was Syrophoenician do you know what Syro is Syro is Syria modern-day Syria Syrians back in the biblical times were known for their pride so she was what you call a proud pagan and I think there are some Syro Christians in church proud Christians I can watch whatever I want and listen to whatever I want because I'm covered by the blood yeah but you also have a brain and I just think some of us need to walk away from seeing some things, listening to some things, at least for a season. Can I say to you, there are things that Lee and I just don't watch just because we've been called into the prophetic, just because we, we value our ears and our eyes more than maybe some of us value our ears and our eyes because we, we feel our ears and our eyes have been kept aside to see visions and to hear the voice of God. So, so there are things that... I don't consume, there are things that I don't watch, there are things that I don't see. I don't call that limitation, I call that freedom. You may not have the level of freedom that I have, so don't judge me based on the bondage that you live in. And so I wanna encourage you this morning and say, God, if there's anything in my life, if there's stuff that I'm, even right now as I'm saying this, you're having, I need to stop. Like if right now, through this message, if there's one thing that came in your head, I need to stop doing that, and you're like, maybe, stop it. Because right now, it wasn't me speaking. The Word of God has spoken. The Holy Spirit is moving, and He's showing and bringing things to the surface. Don't even, like, weigh it up. Oh, I need to talk to a mentor. No, just, just right now, if there's something that God has highlighted, you should stop doing that. Just, just stop that. Because it is actually not worth where God is leading you. And so it's such an important thing that we, we say, God, I don't, want any, I don't want any foothold for the enemy. I want you to purify my life so that I can walk in your will and walk in your ways. I shared three instances this morning. I shared the story where Jesus is talking to believing Jews. And he says, he that the son sets free is free indeed. I shared the story of a lady who was bent over, who was oppressed, and Jesus heals her instantly. Then I just shared the story of another lady whose daughter was demon-possessed. But here's the main thing that I want to really grab from all three instances. Do you notice that in all three instances, Jesus set them free? And can I say to you, that is his heart for you. I love what Jesus says. He says to the lady, I cannot give you the children's bread. What was the lady coming for? She was coming for what? For deliverance. Jesus calls deliverance the children's bread. See, we, we have this negative connotation, oh, deliverance is that dirty thing that happens in a private room with a bunch of buckets and that weird person there and saying, come out. You know, no, no. can I say deliverance is this beautiful place in God? Sometimes there might be a bit of yelling. Sometimes it might, might look a bit ugly. But at the end of the day, freedom is a beautiful experience. And can I say deliverance is your birthright. Freedom is your birthright. And the children's bread is on, your, is on the menu. And can I say, as we've started this series, it is time to eat. Don't, don't just watch the bread that's been being served. But say, I want to be a part of this. I want to indulge in this. I want to, God, let that be a prayer this morning. Let that be a prayer. If I can get the worship team up. Let that be a prayer. Let that be a prayer that you say, Jesus, I need the bread that you have for me. 
Especially if you are walking with God, especially if you are a follower of Jesus, especially if you believe in Jesus. Say to him this morning, Jesus, I need the bread. I need the bread that will heal me. I need the bread that will set me free. I need the bread that will deliver.